Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Third and Central Podcast, the only podcast dedicated solely to the University of Louisville baseball program. This is your host, Matt Sefcovic, joined by your co-host, Aaron Turner. Aaron, it's starting to get cool outside in the morning, in the evening. Fall is here. Louisville baseball is getting into fall ball here before too long. Louisville football is approaching 2-0 and as we speak. It doesn't get any better than this. How's everything going out your way? Yeah, it's doing great. You know, I'm very excited about the fall. Fall baseball is always a fun time of the year. And you know, Louisville football looks like a very exciting program. So there's a lot to a lot to be excited for the next couple of months. So we've got a new kind of series we're going to start. Obviously, football's ramping up. Basketball is going to be following pretty shortly behind football season. But we're going to start a new series kind of in this offseason called the Off-Season Diamond Dialogues. And our goal with this is to bring you content from some former players, some current players, um, and some future players to the podcast just to kind of let you um, get a closer look to the Louisville baseball program. You know, some of the guys that have been through it, what they experienced, you know, some of the highs and lows when they were here, some of the current players, what they're going through and anticipation for next season. And then, you know, dive into – you know, what we can expect, you know, down the road from the future classes. So, Aaron, I think we've got a lot of exciting guests lined up. I don't want to give too many of those names out yet, but I, I think everybody's going to be really excited about what we've got. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. This has been something that's in the, been in the works for about a month or so now and, you know, getting everybody lined up. And I'm very excited to see uh, to see everything come together. And I, I think, you know, like you touched on, we've got a really good lineup and a I hope that everybody enjoys it just as much as we do. And before we jump into our first guest, I do want to talk. There hasn't been a whole lot going on the baseball side. It's it's that time of the year. But the, the fall schedule has been released, part of it anyways. And the NCAA allows you to play two fall scrimmages now. So Louisville's going to play both their fall scrimmages this season at home. So we get the benefit from that. One of them is going to be on the weekend of September 23rd and 24th. Last I saw, they haven't picked an exact date yet. It's going to depend on the football game that weekend because Louisville also hosts Boston College in football. So they're going to play Purdue, Jim Patterson Stadium. Tickets are free. Anybody can just walk up and get in. And then the following Saturday, September 30th, Louisville will host Xavier. So, you know, two two programs that are, you know, they'll test Louisville. They'll push us and kind of get to see some of the younger guys. These fall scrimmages are cool. They're a good opportunity for fans to kind of get out and see some of the freshmen. Coaches will put them in some opportunities and let them get some at-bats and innings on the mound just to see how they've adjusted to 
the different pace of play in college in just a short period of time. If uh, if you have not been to fall ball, highly, highly suggest going. It is a very fun and unique experience. You're going to see a lot of guys out there who you might not be familiar with yet. You may have never even heard their names before, but you're going to know them soon enough. This is kind of you know a, a pretty good preview of, of what the 24 season is going to look like. And then on top of the two scrimmages, the pizza bowl, which we've all seen over the years, it's the inter-squad scrimmages that they will host. It, it's, it is going to be a little bit reduced this year from my understanding. Don't have dates or games yet for that, but I have heard that it's going to be a little bit reduced because Louisville is going to the Dominican Republic as part of the SCORE International Ministries. They're going down to the Dominican Republic this year um, as part of a trip, and they'll play a couple games down there. So the, the Pizza Bowl, from my understanding, may be a little bit shorter than years past, but Nonetheless, the Pizza Bowl will take place. So another opportunity for fans to get to see Louisville for free this fall. So just, you know, the gates will be open. Might as well get out, watch some fall ball in between the football games and check out what the 2024 team is going to look like. So first up, we're going to jump into the offseason diamond dialogues. We've got Cade McClure on who spent time at Louisville from 2015 through 2017. Cade doesn't need much of an introduction. During his time here at Third and Central, Cade was 21 and 5 as a starting pitcher, or as a pitcher, not all of those were starts. That was a 3.29 ERA. Most impressive year was his sophomore season where he was 12 and 0 with a 2.54 ERA. He was the midweek guy that year and just absolutely mowed everyone down. So, really excited about having Cade on. If you don't follow him on social media, big time personality, I think you'd really enjoy it. Um, Aaron, what, what, I know you're you're a big Cade McClure fan. What what are your thoughts? What about McCade? You know, I, I don't want to give give too much away for the the upcoming interview, but Cade is he's a ball of fire. If you like, you said if you don't follow Cade on social media, you need to do it because he's just a really fun personality. Uh, you know, currently grinding his way through professional baseball right now in AAA with the Giants organization unfortunately ended his season uh, with an injury but just a super awesome dude and, and looking forward to the interview all right well enough said about that let's go ahead and welcome Kate on to the third and central podcast this is Jacob Lane, host of From the Pink Seats podcast, and I invite you to tune in each week to the show as myself, Vincent Lococo, and Matt McGavick dive into the storylines, news, and happenings around the Louisville football program. Nowhere else in the city will you find coverage like you will on From the Pink Seats podcast, from recruiting to coaching moves to stories to breaking news. All of it is covered from top to bottom here on From the Pink Seats podcast. Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod, and be sure to subscribe and rate and review the podcast anywhere you get your shows from. Go Cards! All right, we are now joined by Cade McClure. Cade, thanks for taking a couple minutes tonight and sit down talking with us kind of about your road to playing at Louisville and where you are in professional ball right now. So we just appreciate you coming on with us tonight. Yeah, man, absolutely. I'm excited to uh, kind of just get to talk a little bit of cards baseball, man. It's uh, It's been a while. It's been a few years removed, but it's still something that's obviously so near and dear to me. So I really, really look forward to it. Definitely. We, we appreciate you having you on, but uh, – 
one thing before we get into baseball, we're right in the middle of the beginning of a new era in football. And Jeff Brom's first game and a half are underway. We're sitting here watching the Murray State game. It looks like Louisville's up about 28 to nothing right now. You threw out a tweet a little bit ago about Jamari Thrash is the truth. And um, from what we've seen so far, he's, he's the real deal. What, what do you think about the Cards football? Yeah, game? dude, the Jamari Thrash guy, he is electric, man. He's he's fun to watch. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see a new era. Um, I think the the Brom hires, obviously, it's something that they've been trying to pull off for a couple of years. But, man, having a Louisville guy, you know, from Louisville, you know, is it now their head coach? I think that's awesome. I think hopefully the fan base can kind of get behind that and um, obviously did a great job in the transfer portal and is kind of his short turnaround from getting hired. But, man, I hope that, you know, some high school recruits can kind of see what he's putting together and they can start landing some big guys because they, they, we desperately need Louisville football to be to be where it was, you know, whatever you want to call it, five, six, seven years ago to, to kind of get back to that level. But, um, you know, it's it's fun to see the people back in the stands tonight and and uh, just just the hype around the program. I know they don't have like a crazy, you know, tough schedule, but man, if they could roll off eight, nine, ten wins this year, that'd be that'd be awesome for that program. Yeah, we all know football is the driving force behind all of this. It's, yep. You know, it makes the money. So we get that. And you, you commented on the stands. You know, I'm, I'm not there tonight. But if, if you look on TV, there, there's probably more people in the stands tonight than we've seen in a game in the past couple of years. So it's just refreshing to see that there's been life kind of injected back into the program. Yeah, absolutely. I think I saw a tweet out there from one of the um, reporters that said like this, they were expecting the largest post-COVID crowd tonight. So um, that's awesome. I know it's, there's always been it's those early games in years past where it's, you know, we're, we're supposed to win and it's not too, too filled out there, which is kind of depressing to see, but you know, this is a game that obviously we're supposed to win to see a pretty good crowd is, is exciting knowing that man rolling into ACC play, they should, shouldn't have anything less than what a Murray state crowd looks like. So. Yeah, definitely. I think there's going to be a lot of yeah. momentum and as the, as the schedule gets more difficult as the season goes on, but Let's go ahead and transition into baseball and kind of take us back to your high school career. You played football and basketball as well as baseball. Was there any desire to play either other sport in college, or was it was baseball kind of the only thing you were focused on in college? Um, honestly, I love basketball. Basketball is like my – even till, probably still to this day my favorite sport to play. Um, you know, my dad played in the NFL for a few years, so football was something that was always a part of, um, you know, my upbringing and, and – you know, my dad obviously really wanted me to play football in college, just um, the baseball route kind of seemed a little bit more um, definite at the time. So we kind of I gave it up my senior year and just was in terms of some possible high school draft stuff and just didn't want to risk any injury. So uh, just stayed with basketball and, and baseball through the last year of high school. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I looked at possibly playing both at some smaller schools. Um, you know, my freshman year of college, I actually didn't throw a ton and I was kind of frustrated and I felt like. And I picked the wrong thing. I should have played basketball. And um, I, I thought about transferring actually to – I was going to transfer to Akron and play basketball and uh, and baseball. And like a week before um, – and I was kind of really looking at having to make a decision timeline-wise, um, Akron's baseball program folded. Um, <laughs> it was gone. So I was like, man, thank God I did not make that decision. But, um, you know, I, I do love basketball, but um, it kind of just uh, – Baseball seemed to kind of be my best shot of, of getting a chance to play in college and, and um, you know, potentially after that. 
You know, I'm, I'm glad that you kind of touched on your dad there because I it was the first part of my next question for you. you know, your dad had a pretty legendary career at Bowling Green, finished 10th in Heisman voting in 1985. Very storied college career, ended up going into the NFL for a couple of seasons. Uh, what kind of role did your dad have in the recruiting process and just the overall uh, making of you as an athlete? Yeah, for sure. And not only my dad, my mom also played college volleyball at Bowling Green too. So having two parents that, you know, were division one athletes that were, um, you know, recruited, they, they kind of went through that process. Uh, my dad on a little bit different scale than my mom, I mean, obviously at the time they didn't have like, you know, ESPN 300 rankings and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, my dad is from a small town in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, basically. And he wanted to play somewhere where he's going to play right away and where his parents would be able to come to a lot of games, um, you know, and he chose Bowling Green, which is crazy because looking back at it, you know, I find these photos in my parents' basements and, you know, whatever. And it's like, oh, dad, is that Woody Hayes in your kitchen? Is that is that Joe Paterno in your kitchen? Is that, you know, he's on visits to Miami of Florida. And I'm like, how did you pick Bowling Green? He's like, oh, dude, I just wanted to play right away. Like, I'm like, dude, I'm like, it's crazy because if you look at what that was now, it's like if you probably translate it to today, it's like probably a four star or five star recruit and um, to have those kind of offers. But I think what helped the most is having them to um, kind of like weed out the BS, um, you know, coaches and recruiters and whatever want to, you know, and it's like, they could kind of be like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't feel it or didn't seem genuine through you know, conversations and, and their sit downs and whatever. So I think having them really helped, but also them uh, being able to point out like the, the daylight, the daily life of a college athlete, like, okay, this is how far away, you know, your classes are going to be from campus. This is going to be way more of a, a struggle for you to get across campus and look in those kind of things versus just like, man, I'm just looking at the baseball program. And it's like, yeah, I'll figure out the rest later. They kind of had some more of those kind of insights. It's funny you bring that up. Cause you know, a lot of recruits that we talk to, they, they don't think about those things mm -hmm. and all they want to do is play at the highest level of D one they possibly can, or yeah. they just want to, they just want to commit to the highest level of D one they can. They don't look into playing time or, you know, getting them ready for the next level, anything. They just care about the name across the front of the jersey. So we, we see that quite a bit. So it's, it's good that you had somebody that was actually showing you other things. Yeah, absolutely. And and my mom um, went on to be a physical therapist. So for her, obviously, a lot of schooling. And uh, my dad left school early to, um, you know, to list for the NFL draft. And um, so that part of them, too, was my mom was super – not, I don't want to say worried, but she was super driven to make sure that I was going to be getting my schoolwork done and making sure that I was think that was a priority to to some degree. Obviously, baseball was going to be the top priority for me, um, you know, walking in there. But I wasn't going to be walking out of there with, you know, empty handed in terms of not having a degree. So um, just, you know, just having them to lean on with with those kind of things was definitely really helpful. Definitely. And since we're kind of talking about high school and recruiting and just, just that process, Give your elevator pitch. So if you're talking to a high school senior that was or junior, whatever class they were in, looking to play, you know, big time college baseball, what's your elevator pitch for the University of Louisville? Not like Coach McDonald needs one, but let, let's say you had to had to give one to somebody. What what would that be? How would you try to sell the program to them? Man, I know it's uh, last year is not something that's obviously going to be able to be posted on billboards, but mm -hmm. I mean, the the track record that, you know, coach Mack, coach Williams put together from whatever they arrived in 2007 till you can even call it now is just, I mean, the amount of draft picks, the amount of signing bonuses, the amount of conference championships, the amount of regional super regionals, Omaha. It's like, man, if you want to compete 
to actually have a chance to win a national championship. There's probably legitimately every year, there's probably 10 schools that have a, a real shot walking in day one. There's probably another four or five that are going to be your shot at Cinderella type teams that could make a run, a Coastal Carolina, or one of those, you know, uh, or, or Oral Roberts kind of schools that they could do it. But they don't, they say Omaha on three when they make a break, you know, kind of thing. But they don't really, I don't know if they really believe that they have a shot to do it. Um, and I think that Coach Mack and, and his staff have put together a program that you truly believe it, man. It's like, if we do what we're supposed to do and, and we take care of ourselves in the weight room and the training room and those, those type of things, like things on the field should come together and you actually have a legitimate chance to win a national championship. And if that's not like what your end game is and you know, obviously everyone wants to get drafted and play pro ball, but those things kind of fall into place based on what you do and what you put onto the field. Um, you know, and if, if you don't want to win a national championship, then, then don't, don't, you know, you don't want to commit to the hard work in the early mornings and that, that kind of thing. That's not a place for you for sure. But man, if, you can if you can toughen up and deal with that schedule and, and the, the day in day out of what, what they have for you I think you know that, that's the place for you and I, it's not like I want to quote this guy often because I'm not a huge fan of his but you know Cal Perry talks about that with UK basketball he's like you know it's not for everybody yeah and it, it's not you know if you're not cut out to you know for the early morning practices and yep. grinding you know if you're not committed to living that life it's, it's not for you yeah I I do a lot of uh, youth baseball lessons and I coached like some teams and stuff here in the off season just to uh, fill my time and, you know, make a little extra money here and there. But, and there's kids that I ask, you know, it's, or I'll ask them, you know, if you could pick any school, where do you want to go to? You know, and then they, they roll off, you know, they roll off Vanderbilt, they roll off LSU, the Tennessee, whatever. They, they name the top schools that every kid would name. And I'm just, and I'm like, if you only really knew what it takes, not just to get there, but to stay there and to be on the field there, you would, you would change your mind in a heartbeat because mm -hmm. I watch your practices. I watch the way these guys go about some of the stuff. I'm like, man, you wouldn't last half a practice with or half a <laughs> weight room session with whoever, but um, obviously, you know, you, you got to have aspirations, but there's, there's a reality to it. And like you said, like it's, it is not for everyone. That's for sure. So you talk about track record and, you know, the long list of, you know, accolades and awards that Dan McDonald has put together long, the long, list of draft picks from, from McDonald and Roger Williams. I want to go back to 2016 where you're part of what is arguably the best rotation the school has ever seen, probably one of the best rotations in the country at the time. Uh, you were in it, and the other three were Brendan McKay, Kyle Funkhauser, Drew Harrington. You know, From the outside looking in, it looks like that rotation with with Birdie at the back end of the bullpen is just an unbeatable you know group of guys. What was that like for you? Did you guys kind of echo that same sentiment? You know, just take us through that that season being a part of that group. Yeah, I mean, that was obviously special. And you know, we, we had our um you know, our fall ball, you know, everyone wants to be a starter. That's obviously everyone's goal, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I, we're kind of looking around, you're trying to kind of play the numbers game in your head, like, man, if it's if it might be him, him, and him, and if it's like we know after McKay's freshman year and after what Funkhauser had done, you know, those two are are locks, right? Um, that last Sunday spot was kind of up in the air. Um, and as well, obviously the, the week, the midweek games, um, in years past, we never had like a traditional, um, you know, this is our midweek starter was kind of just by, by committee who we hadn't really pitched, um, over the weekend, who was the most fresh, that kind of thing. Um, and so it was kind of like a battle between Harrington and I between that last spot. Um, obviously, you know, Drew ends up winning that last spot. Um, goes on to be ACC pitcher of the year, uh, which is obviously an incredible thing. But it's like, man, if you look at 
you got your ACC pitcher of the year and he's pitching on Sundays. It just goes to show what you got in front of you, um, which was crazy. Um, and I just kind of fell into that midweek rotation spot where I was able to get us through a lot of innings early in games and just kind of save the bullpen. So we were fresh for ACC play on weekends and, um, you know, those non-conference weekend games. And, you know, to me, it was my first chance to really be a starter and learn a routine and, and learn how to kind of go about it, giving me a shot for, you know, the weekend the following year. But yeah, that, that group was, I mean, incredibly special. I think there's some stat between um, the seven, 16 draft class and 17 draft class. So my class and the class above me was like, $24 million in signing bonuses or something out, you know, something out of this world. And it's like, people ask me all the time, like, obviously I had a pretty good sophomore year and they're like, you know, wow, look at these numbers and wins and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I threw well, don't get me wrong. But like, I had like a first rounder at first base, a, first, a second rounder at second base, like, you know, like in the outfield, I had first rounder, second round. Yeah, it's like everywhere you point, it's like, there's there's a guy that you know he's going to play in the big leagues there and they haven't yet or if they haven't played the big leagues yet they're going to be playing you know anytime soon so um and then not to mention you look at a guy like will smith behind home plate for me so um yes uh, you know i did have a good year but man it was uh, a lot of times man it was it wasn't like you know i'm going out there going to you know five or six shutout with 12 14 strikeouts i mean there's some really really good defense behind me so with Will Smith behind the plate with you there, did you kind of have a sense that, you know, this guy is a elite, like he is a very good catcher. Did you think at the time that this is a big league catcher? You know, what's crazy is I don't know if many people know this. Will was actually, a um, he came in as an infielder. I think he was a second baseman converted to catcher uh, once he got on campus. Um, you know, Louis, being a Louisville guy, um, I don't think he even had scholarship money. I think he was like a preferred walk-on or however it works. And um Will is just like a silent killer, man. He's just, he's not a guy that you're going to hear much from. He's not on, he's got a little bit more, a little bit more now that he's in LA. I think he's understanding it now, but he's not like on social media. He's just like, man, he's just like a baseball robot shows up, does his work, you know, like, and it's just like uh, artwork, boom, he's out, show up again, do it the next day. And, um, you know, obviously over the time, Will got better and better and better. And um, he just went on a crazy stretch to the last probably six weeks of the season that kind of jumped him from like, uh, he's probably a day two pick, maybe sixth, seventh, eighth round to like, man, Will might slide into the first round. Like, it's crazy what he was able to put together the last two months of the season to kind of solidify himself for the draft. And, um, you know, I, and it's crazy, too. Like, you look you, you look at pro ball and you, you know the organizations that are good, you know, year in, year out. You know, you have your Yankees, your Dodgers, your your Red Sox, your, your Rays, those teams that are going to be in the mix every year. And it's like, man, like – you wonder what their player development looks like. And then like, Will is just like a, a total living product of that. I mean, Will went from a guy who more of a contact hitter hits for power kind of kind of puts the ball in the gap. And now Will's hitting 30 home runs a year at the big league level. And um, you know, probably whatever he's hitting, probably 265, 270 year in and year out. So, um, you know, it's not that I ever doubted that Will would do it, but I just trusting the process of what some of those big league organizations can do in terms of player development. You kind of touched on your draft experience a little bit. Let's let's talk about um, June of 2017. It was in span of just a couple of weeks. You get drafted by the White Sox. You're part of the Louisville, uh, Kentucky Super Regional, where we swept them 2-0 and punch a ticket to Omaha. Um, tell us about you know that month. Obviously, in, in your career, that's probably one of the best months of your of your life. Probably just walk yeah. us through that month. Yeah, so we had the um, ACC tournament that year. We actually hosted in Louisville, um, down at right. Slugger Field. 
Um, I started against Florida State and I got my mm-hmm. teeth kicked in. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say I maybe went like two and a third or three and a third or something, maybe like five. I mean, it was something I try to forget about, but um, I just wasn't good. Um, the next week we roll into our regional and um, I pitched against Radford and the same thing. I, I mean, I threw like first two or three innings were fine. And I think I gave up like a grand slam. I think I ended up giving up like five or six runs. And like, I don't want to say confidence was low, but I just was like, man, I had a pretty good year. Like what the hell is going on? Like these last two weeks. Um, and I know leading up into that UK regional, super regional coach Mac called me into the office and he just sat me down. He's like, man, watch the TV. And he just, he had a highlight tape, I guess you could call it. It was just like, um, every strikeout, I, every strike three that I had from that season, I was like a six minute video. I'm just sitting there watching this thing. I'm like, man, what is he trying to tell me? Like, what is the point of this? And, um, he basically just was like, man, we have all the confidence in the world in you, you know, despite what happened the last two weeks, look at the body of work. Like you can do this. You can, you can pitch at this level. You can do what you need to do. Um, you know, and he just wanted to let me know that basically that they felt confident that I was going to start the first game on, uh, the first game of the super regional, I think whatever it was Friday of that, that year, um, that they felt like if if I could do what I needed to do, turn it over to the bullpen, that we had Brendan going on Saturday and we can close this thing out in two instead of worrying about ever getting a game three. Um, and I was like, all right, let's go. Um, you know, the next day rolled out and ended up throwing pretty well and, 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 you know, helped us win that first game. And then obviously Brendan and the rest of those guys came in the next day and and just shut the door and gave us, a, you know, that chance to dogpile and go to Omaha. And um, it's crazy too, because leading up to that, or after that week leading up to um, you know, the World Series was our draft. At that time, it was in the middle of the, the college playoffs, which is still the stupidest thing in the world. But um, I'm glad the way it's set up now. But, um, you know, like we're in the middle of practice and Coach Max like, hey, come out here, second base, come here, whatever. I'm like, he's like, you know, I'm, we're in day two of the draft. And he's like, the White Sox are going to take you with the next pick. Are you cool with this, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm like, all right, let's do it. Um and so practice ends, we're heading over to the Marshall Center to work out. My phone rings and I finally get, you know, get the call from the agent or, or um, the scout that, you know, drafted me. And it's just kind of crazy how that all, all, you know, went down. I'm in the middle of practice. I'm winning, trying to worry about winning a national championship and getting my body right and my team right for, you know, a bigger, you know, the biggest, you know, weekend of baseball in my life. But, um, but yeah, it's just kind of the way it went down. And then we obviously went into Omaha and, uh, Won our first game, ran into a buzzsaw of of the Florida Gators with you know about ten big leaguers on that team, and uh, but um, you know that's just obviously an experience that I'll never forget. And you know, obviously we didn't end up winning the whole thing, but um, you know it was just a lot of fun. I mean, that was like you said, probably the best you know best month of my baseball career that I could kind of put together. So it was a lot of fun. I'm glad you bring up the the draft being in June because that was going to be my follow up question is just as a player, because as a fan, it just from the outside looking in, it, it never made any sense whatsoever. And as, as a player, I assumed everybody felt the same way because, it, you know, you're on the field, you're in practice, and you're getting drafted. You really can't enjoy that moment. You really can't focus on the task at hand of the Super Regional or whatever you're doing because, I mean, you, you just got drafted. Yeah, and, it, and it's kind of crazy because I remember um, some of the guys that were local, um, their parents were able to, like, you know, drive over from Lexington or if they were Louisville guy, the parents were able to kind of come over and like celebrate a little bit. Like being from Cleveland, my mom and dad, like didn't know when I was going to get drafted. And it's like, it's like a six hour drive. So I'm like, I don't blame them, but I was like, man, I wish I could have got to enjoy that experience with my family and like my brother. And, you know, like 
it's just it is stupid the way that they had it. I think obviously it's a lot better now um, to have it after the season finally. Um, but yeah, it was just it is weird. I mean, you're you're I get it. Like there's probably only eight to ten teams at that time that are probably still even playing baseball to you know whatever. So it doesn't really affect everyone. But man, it's like the guys that are still playing. There's like a way huge goal here right in front of your face and. Mm-hmm. You're worried about, you know, signing bonuses and, you know, that kind of stuff. It kind of takes away from it a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I am glad that they, they moved it. I think it's probably heading in a better direction. It's just weird. I mean, you get drafted. Then you got to still go play another week for your current team. And then it's, you get shipped right off and you're thrown into baseball with someone else. I'm like, just a whirlwind of a couple of weeks after the draft for sure. So, you know, you had that crazy whirlwind of a couple of weeks. So you sign your pro contract and you, you know, get going with the White Sox. Kind of we're on a like a highest of highs in June, and then minor league baseball comes along. And was there ever like one specific moment where like got punched in the face? I'm not at Louisville anymore. Minor league, minor league life kind of sucks type thing. Yeah, I mean it's crazy too because you know all the guys that come back to work out, you know that are a little older, whatever. I was like, oh man, you know, stay in school. You know the minor leagues. Well, yeah. I'm like, dude, shut up. Like you know whatever. Like you're just like trying to be nonchalant about it. I'm like, oh, you got some money in your pocket now. Like, you're probably like, you know, it's like, how, how could it be bad? You know, boy, does it like it hits you quick. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I went to Arizona for about three weeks to kind of just like work out, kind of get in shape with them, you know, build up my arm. I hadn't thrown for a couple of weeks. Um, and my rookie ball team was in Great Falls, Montana. And like Great Falls, Montana is not, I mean, I don't know if you guys are like outdoors kind of people or like. I'm not at all. I mean, that's just not my thing. I've never gone camping. I don't intend to anytime soon. And like, if you like that kind of thing, then it was fine. But man, Great Falls, Montana was not it. Um, we lived with like a host family with like five guys in a basement and we all shared one car to go to and from the field. You have um, bus rides eight hours in the middle of the night from, uh, you know, Montana towns to Idaho towns you've never heard of. And the second you leave town, your cell phone service is out. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, a, it's a grind. Um, luckily I threw pretty well there for the first, uh, two or three weeks I was there and I was able to finish the year but and then, um, in low A back on, back in the Carolina. So made it a little bit better to finish out like the last month this season. But yeah, the, the smack of reality is tough because even when I got to low A, um, at that point, no one's looking for roommates with a month left in the season. I got stuck sleeping on a twin blow up mattress in the kitchen of, uh, of Latin house. And Latin House is what you you expected is I got stuck living with all the Dominicans and Cubans and whoever that basically were like, yeah, sure. Come live with us. You have nowhere else to go. Um, So it was just uh, a culture shock for sure. I mean, right in front of your face, it happens quick. But um, yeah, it was uh, the the, the early stages of it are stuff that, you know, it's good for stories now. But in the moment, it is it's not great. It is not great. You you quickly realize that the life of playing college baseball at the university of louisville is it too oh, bad, man. Right? I, I went from flying on <laughs> private jets like taking a taking our bus on the tarmac up to the stairs of the plane copping on a plane flying off a bus picks me up i got chick-fil-a waiting for me i'm going to practice <laughs> going to the hotel for you know whatever good food that uh, coach mundorf has ordered for uh carabas or whatever we're eating man to like hot dogs and chips between double headers i mean it's just uh it's crazy but um but yeah, those those are like the fun things you. Uh, it's good to talk about when you're when you're out of it, but man, and when you're in it, not not great. It's pretty well, rough when you're in that in that oh, in that yeah. situation, real time. Yeah. 
that's a pretty good segue into the next question. You know, we've seen a couple moments where you've been pretty outspoken about the realities of minor league baseball and major league baseball kind of touched on it in the last collective bargaining agreement. Have you seen any changes since that has kicked into place or is it still the same old, same old? Um, I think too, I, as far as I understood, right. In the lower level, everyone's like, man, you know, once you get to double A, it's better. Once you get to triple A, it's better. So like, I kind of think I got I got to like that higher level of the minor leagues before um, I started to see, you would like the, the improvement started to happen. So I think a lot of what was happening already at the double AA, A triple A level was like kind of like what it's supposed to be. Um, but I from what I understand, obviously now like the 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 payments and whatever that your salaries have gone up at the lower levels. And I mean my my when I was in A ball my my W two for the year. I remember I saw it the other day. I was laughing about it. It was like seven thousand four hundred dollars for the entire season. I'm like, what were my paychecks? Like five hundred bucks, like every two weeks. Like it's crazy. Um, so like, yeah. In that sense, obviously, like it's a pretty immediate impact. I know now that there's a lot of stuff that are like going to guidelines where there's like they have to have specific, um, you know, pregame, postgame food based on nutritional standpoints, and certain snacks have to be there for. Um, for the guys and bottles of water, just like simple things you would think that they'd already have now, actually there's like a mandate for it finally. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it definitely seems like going in the right direction. you know, obviously with the, the free housing for the minor league players on top of the salaries, that's like obviously the two biggest, uh, components to what a lot of people wanted to see happen. So everything else is just kind of icing on the cake, obviously, and in terms of getting free housing and a, a, a salary bump. So we kind of started back your high school career, walked through your time at Louisville and kind of catch us up to speed where we are now. Last offseason, you got traded from Chicago to San Francisco. Um, how did you find out about that? I'm, I'm almost curious to see how guys find out and like how, how has that transition been from you from one organization to the next? Yeah, I was um, it was like two or three days before Christmas. I was actually walking into a, a store to grab like a last minute Christmas gift and my phone was ringing from uh like our assistant GM. And I was like, well, like that's either good or bad. Like there, he, he didn't call to you like chat, you know, like I don't, I've never texted him. I just had his number because I had his number. He probably called me one time and I saved it. And uh, he's like, Hey Kate, how's it going? I'm like, uh, you know, how you doing? He's like, good. You know, what are you up to? And I'm like, what am I up to? Like, what is this conversation? You know, I was like, Oh, you know, just running into Dick Sporting Goods, grabbing a last minute Christmas gift. He's like, all right, cool. Hey, just want to let you know, we just traded you to the giants. And I was like, what a transition. Um, but uh, I was like, okay, you know, like he just kind of gave me a little spiel about, you know, he, they appreciated, you know, that I worked hard and, you know, whatever that, you know, he was always in my corner if I ever needed anything and someone from the giants would be reaching out to me. And um, that was about it. And then um, a couple hours later that finally heard from the giants once like, you know, the, the trade officially went through or however that worked, I guess. And um, you know, once I heard from him and, just like at that point, you just kind of cut ties with the White Sox and, and move on. It's just a very strange feeling because, you know, for for five years, it's like tw- or six years, it's twice as long as, as I was even in college that I was like committing to an organization, committing to, you know, a coaching staff and, you know, all those, you know, kind of key components to what puts together, you know, or an organization. And uh, just like that, it's like, man, it's over. You don't know those people anymore. You don't talk to those people anymore. I mean, um, you know, it's just like a whole new group it's like it, it is crazy how you know that whole situation kind of goes down but i mean you really do see the 
the business side of it um, in, in of sports when when a trade or you know people get cut and you know especially at the AAA level. I mean, there's every day there's guys being released and and mm-hmm. traded and, and stuff like that. So the lower levels you don't see it as much. It's a lot a lot more like college where it's mostly your same group for a good majority of the year. But yeah, at the, at the higher levels, it's it's a business for sure. So I kind of want to switch gears here a little bit, you know, a few fun questions to kind of wrap it up. If you follow Kate on Instagram and check out his Instagram stories, you know that he has a grill master. The, the dude can do it all on the grill. Do you have a go-to dish and, you know, what's, what's your favorite is you know, just tell us about, you know, your grilling. Yeah, no, I, I love, uh, so I, I got married in October of 21 um, my agency sent me a Traeger grill for like a, a wedding gift. And that has been like my best friend other than my wife, obviously it's been like my best friend for like the last two years, man. I have like gotten the utmost use out of that thing. Um, I love like barbecue food. That's just like one of my favorite things. So I'm always looking at different recipes and trying different things. But um, I think brisket is like my favorite thing to cook. It's just like so rewarding. It's like 11, 12, 13 hours sometimes. And you can do it as long as you want, I guess. But uh, just like after prepping it and doing it to be able to enjoy that, um, that's fun to me. Um, I guess it's just like my next phase of life where I move on to grilling meat and drinking bourbon, I guess. But uh, <laughs> no, I do. I do enjoy enjoy cooking. I can enjoy cooking in the kitchen. I enjoy cooking on the grills. Uh, I'm all about it. And my wife likes it, too, because then she doesn't have to cook. So it works out good. <laughs> Those football Sundays in the McClure house are going to be fun. Yeah, exactly. We just make a deal. Whoever cooks, the other person's got to clean. So I just would rather I'd rather cook than have to clean. So it works out good. I said, we do that too at our house. And uh, yeah. my wife bought me a Blackstone last year for Father's yeah. Day. And I've, I've been addicted to that thing lately. Yeah, so, dude, so yeah, I have a Blackstone too. I'm all about it. I'm doing like, we're always trying different stuff. She's, she's a big TikToker. So she's always seeing videos on Instagram and TikTok about like, oh, she says, we should try this or you should make that. I'm like, fine, let's do it. I'm all about it. <laughs> you speak about your your wife and your mother-in-law, your sister-in-law. They've all spent time on reality TV through the years. Yeah. Kind of how's that been? Like if you all go out and about, like you all get people that, you know, kind of recognize her, your family. Like what, what's that like being in the public? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's funny. So we live in Pittsburgh now, well, my wife and I, my mother-in-law and um where my wife grew up is they live right around the corner, about 10 minutes away from us. So, um, you know, we see them a lot. So we're always going out to dinner and doing stuff and going to events or whatever. And people always coming up to them asking for pictures or, um, we went to a Morgan Wallen concert last week in Pittsburgh and some girl stopped my wife on the street and said, are you, are you Riley from so sharp? And she said, uh, yeah, she goes, Oh my God, I'm a big fan. Can I get a picture with you? So even stuff like that, it's just funny. Um, but yeah, we, we stopped at a, we were on the way home from Virginia last week. We stopped at a farmer's market in the middle of nowhere, Virginia. And some girl says to me, are you, are you on TikTok? I said, I said, I'm not, but my wife is. And that's probably why you recognize me. So, and she's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And they're freaking out. And I'm like, it's just, it is funny to see, uh, to see some of that stuff. But yeah, my mother-in-law and, and my sister-in-law cannot go anywhere without getting recognized. That is for sure. <laughs> that's funny. Have you watched the shows? Um, so when my wife and I first started dating, it was like my freshman going into sophomore year of college. So, um, I didn't really, I, I well, I didn't grow up in it. I don't know anything about dance in the first place. Um, so I didn't know anything about it, but we'd be hanging out in, you know, dorm rooms or whatever. And like, I'd be like, put it on. And she's like, no, I do not want to watch that. I'm like, why am I, I, I didn't understand anything about it. She's like, yeah, cause I make my mom look so evil. Like, I don't want to watch that. And so, um, 
we I didn't really ever watch it. Um, but when Riley and, and um all of her teammates, the Lady Birds, did the So Sharp show, I obviously was watching that. I was just like kind of living it. You know, they'd have to leave. You know, we'd be hanging out. She'd be like, "Oh, we have to go film this, or we have to go do this. We have to go to this promo for that, or whatever." So, um, you know, there was a funny time where they asked because um, they wanted. My wife's best friend is Rose Crombie, uh, now McMahon, Ryan McMahon's wife. And I remember they asked, like, if we could go out to dinner with them as part of, like, an episode or something. And, like, that, like, the department shut it down hard. They're like, they are not, like, they are not going on that TV show. That is for the Ladybirds, and that is it. Like, so it's just, it's just kind of crazy. Um, just never thought in a million years that that's, like, what I would have, like, grown up and married into or whatever. But I guess just that's how it goes. Fast forward to now. You all could have went. You could have had Jeff Ruby sponsor an NIL deal or something. You could have all just gone oh to Jeff God, Ruby for dinner, right? The NIL thing is crazy, too. I think about it all the time. It's like, man, like in in the three years I was in school, I was there with Donovan Mitchell, Terry Rozier, Lamar Jackson, Brendan McKay, like Kelsey Worrell, like so many people that are like like the faces of the sport at the time they're there. And I'm like thinking back, like, man, like not even for me, but like what kind of money could those dudes have made, like – Look at a guy like Lamar Jackson. I mean, that guy would be clearing a million bucks a year, no doubt. Like, you yeah. and the Heisman, like, even at maybe where Louisville were the NILs and as crazy as, like, some of the SEC schools where they had the funding for it. But, man, it's like there's no way he's making less than a million bucks after the year after winning a Heisman. Um, yeah. that, that 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 whole thing is crazy. Um, but, yeah, that is it's cool. I mean, but, yeah, you're right. Shout out to Jeff Rubies. That is, like, one of my favorite people. <laughs> so, go wrong there. Kind of last question we've got for you tonight is um, we, we walked through your whole career, and I know you keep up with Louisville sports to this day. You're watching the football game tonight. What what are your thoughts on the 2024 baseball team? And like we talked about earlier, they kind of, you know, had a tough couple of years, but um, yeah. what, what do you think about this upcoming season? I'm excited. I know um, obviously Mac and, and Coach Williams aren't necessarily like, you know, fresh into the coaching game. So they've already have a established way of recruiting and established way of, of coaching, which I think worked for a long while. And now that there's um, a change in the landscape in terms of the transfer portal and the NIL and a lot of that stuff. Um, I don't want to say they were opposed to it, but I think that they're just now kind of really getting to take advantage of it. It looks like they're doing a good job of bringing in some transfer portal guys um, that maybe aren't going to be like your Tommy white transfer portal kind of guys, but D2 player of the year, you know, uh, you know, those kind of guys are maybe they deserve a shot to play at a bigger school. And if, man, if they can do it, and they don't got to go pay them 500 grand in NIL money. It's like, man, it's worth a shot. Um, so I'm excited to see um, what the transfer portal brings and, and their kind of the adjustments that they're making now to, to the, the recruiting landscape. And, you know, it's funny as I'm, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but like I do a lot of youth lessons and things here and I do a lot of coaching. I'm like always texting, you know, coach Snyder or, any of the coaches, man, take a look at this guy or just get a, get a look at him. I can send you some video, however it goes. Cause it's like, man, the recruiting is just so different than even five years ago, what it was. I mean, they come watch you at a show, uh, showcase, you come to a camp, you're good enough. Boom. Here's an offer. Now it's like, you have, to, you have to landscape all of college baseball for the chance that some kid might enter the transfer portal. You got to be one of the first couple of schools to jump on him. Otherwise, boom, he's, he's gone to somewhere else that quick. So um, yeah, it is definitely changing and evolving. I think it's good for, I think it's good for the athlete in terms of like, you know, there's a little bit more freedom. You don't have to commit to one place. And if you don't like it or you don't get to play, you're stuck. And I think that part of it's nice. Um, I think it's definitely harder on the coaches and harder on the programs because you're committing all this time and in, in recruiting to some kid. And then, boom, he's gone in eight months because he didn't get to play a lot or whatever the reason might be. So um, there's obviously going to have to be a fine, fine balance between 
the NIL and the transfer portal, a lot of this stuff that's going on, but it does definitely seem like it's uh, heading in a direction that's way different than what I was went through in 2013 when I was being recruited. And so. And I, I definitely think the players should get a piece of the pie. I mean, you know, they're, they're the face of the teams. I, I agree with that hundred percent, but you touched on something a lot of people don't is the coaching staff when they recruit, you know, they have their next two, three, four years planned out of, you know, who they think is going to play each position. Mm-hmm. And, you know, somebody comes in the freshman, they don't play because they've got a senior in front of them. Well, they don't play, so they get mad and they leave. But the coaching staff, you know, they had plans for them to start next year. So now mm-hmm. we've got to find somebody to replace them. So it, it's just a, it's a whole new world now. Yeah, and I think a lot of it, too, I mean, not to sound like the, like, old man on the porch kind of thing, but it's like a lot of it is just like the travel ball um generation that like what we're looking at now is just so wild where it's like kids are jumping from team to team to team to team that it's like well why can't I do that in college if I don't you know I mean or it's like and I think that's hard because it's hard to build a program and a foundation on kids that you're bringing in when every year you have to go bring in a kid from another school because you're the kids you spent time recruiting just jump ship um you know I think then that was a really impressive part about the time that I was in school is obviously didn't have the transfer portal where it was that easy to transfer but I think my my freshman class came in with like I think 15 had committed, two or three got drafted out of high school. I think there was about let's call it 12 or 13. I think I I think I finished my three years with 11 of those guys. Um, just again, Coach Mack and Coach Williams and those guys doing a great job in terms of recruiting recruiting guys that are going to stick to the plan, stick with the program, and you know not want to give up. But um, but yeah, it's 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 different. I mean, it's it is what it is now, and that's part of it. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully them, you know, kind of writing the ship. Obviously they started off hot and they were, they were who Louisville baseball was and they kind of just hit a rut and they weren't able to really get out of it and kind of unfortunately kind of sunk the season for them. But, you know, I think getting some guys healthy and seeing this, what this transfer portal can do for them will be exciting. We're definitely looking forward to it because it's a lot easier for us to sit behind this microphone and talk about no, them when they're no, in it. So yeah, I know we're. And it's just hard because I know what, the, the coaching staff and the support staff put into that program and to have them, you know, not have success is frustrating because for the three years that I was there and the three or four years before I got there, I followed it. And it's like, you know, they don't have those kind of years. So it's, it definitely makes it tough on them, but I know that obviously they're just trying to go get the next best guy and, and do the best thing that they can on the field. So I really hope that they can, you know, turn this thing around and, and get it back to where it's supposed to be. I think uh, we're all in the same boat there. We're ready to see Louisville baseball get back to the national spotlight where they have been. So Absolutely. But, Kay, we really appreciate you coming on with us tonight and taking some time out of your evening watching college football and the NFL kick off tonight. So I uh, just appreciate you coming on, and good luck with the rehab, and hopefully you get back on the field as soon as possible. Appreciate it, man. Hey, good news. The cars just covered the spread, so as long as they don't give a bad <laughs> well, we're all we're all in a good spot tonight. <laughs> and we can bet in Kentucky now, so <laughs> remember yeah. that. Yeah, I'm in Pennsylvania. We, we've had sports gambling for like two years, so this has been awesome. I love football season. Just you know, just get to sit down and watch my guys and have a little of vetted interest. I hear you. Well, I appreciate you, Kate, and uh, anytime you want to hop on, we'd love to have you. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, man. All right. Thank you. Thanks.